So the big question is this. How do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Rockstar Nation, thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to stay to the end, where our guests will be offering a free gift. As you know, all of our guests offer a free gift, and all of these gifts can be found on the Agent Success Toolbox. You could find that by going to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply texting the word toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. I am going to put today's free gift in today's show notes, but if you want all of them, including gifts from most of our guests that have come on the show, just go to the Agent Success Toolbox. All right, Rockstar Nation, i got a great guest today. Mr. Jordan Mott is on the line, and we are going to get into some serious nitty-gritty on real estate. Jordan, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for having me, Pat. Appreciate it. Pleasure to be here. All right, Jordan, why don't you give everybody a rundown on who you are so they can get to know you better? Yeah, so a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Jordan Mott. As Pat said, I'm located here in the Silicon Valley Bay Area with Intero Real Estate. I've been selling real estate for about the past five years upon graduating from Penn State University. Came back home to the warm winters in California and a great real estate market here in the Silicon Valley. Started selling real estate with Caldwell Banker originally and then transitioned over to Intero Real Estate, which is a company owned by Berkshire Hathaway with a little over 3,000 agents and with some hard work and numerous hours and long nights and early mornings. I've been able to work my way into the top 1% of agents nationwide. Over the past two years, I've sold slightly over $125 million of real estate. Was, I think, the number 226 agent in California out of, I believe it was over a couple hundred thousand agents. Most recently, this past year, I was not one of the finalists for the National Association of Realtors, 30 under 30 designation. So, have been able to find a tremendous level of success in this industry, but I don't think that it's something that has came without hard work and dedication and that without all the dedication and hard work, I don't think that I would have been able to get where I am today. Yeah, absolutely. And and so how old are you? 27. 27. And you've been in business, what, how many years exactly? Just, just hit the five-year mark at the end of August. So you started when you were 22. Yep. You, you, just like me, you came right out of college. You know, that's what I did. I start, graduated college and became an agent. I love to see that. What was your degree in? So I have two degrees. One of them's in criminology and one of them's in public relations. Originally, when I went back east to Penn State, my plan was to come back home and go into law enforcement. And when I was going to be a, a police officer here, but what the way society is these days, I figured it wasn't the safest job and there's not the best perception of law enforcement. So that's when I picked up my second degree in public relations to be a little more broad. And then, yeah, came back home to the Silicon Valley and pretty much worked on getting my real estate license right away. 
jumped jumped into the industry with both feet first. Did you even try to get a job in public relations or law enforcement? No. So you, you like decided and then you kind of said, well, I'm going to get the degree and decided again. Yeah, correct. I think it was, yeah, I think it was like late, late junior or senior year. I had an internship over in Thailand working for a real estate development company and that kind of sparked my interest in real estate. So I knew, I knew when I came home that that was something that I was going to explore. Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah, very similar paths. I mean, I was, I was a sociology major. I, you know, was going to be a probation officer, and you know that never happened. And I was a realtor. <laughs> and uh, that Thailand thing sounds interesting. I'll touch on that later. But uh, uh, let's talk about your numbers. So, like, how many houses have you sold in the last twelve months? Uh, in the last twelve months, I think it's fifty-two houses that I've sold. Got probably six or seven listings active right now. That's um, so. That's sweet. What's your average sale price, Jordan? Listing side, it's right about one point four million, and buyer side, it's right around one point three million. I think is the average right now. Yeah, that's awesome. One three five, let's say so. And you know, a lot of agents track uh, by what we joke about on the show called ECI, Ego Commission Income. Some call it GCI, Gross Commission Income. What was your ECI? Uh, last 12 months, would you say? It's right around 1.2 to 1.3 million. Okay, right with your average sale price, coincidentally. Yep. Yeah. What, um, and what's your profit margin? I would say that probably about, I would say probably about 10 to 15% is spent on expenses. So, I mean, the other 85%, you can take it from there. And then what about, your bro- you don't got to pay you in tarot anything? Well, I mean, I mean, there's 15. Yeah, I mean, I have a split there. So, I mean, I'm just taking into consideration what I spend on business expenses. I mean, yeah, obviously, Intero takes a split. And then, but the one three is before Intero, before expenses. Correct. So Okay. So, you take yeah. 30%. So, you're left with 70. You know, 50% would be 650. You know, that's a good seven. Yeah. Three quarters of a million bucks. Not bad for yeah. a 27-year-old. Right. Not too shabby. No, you never made that um, doing public relations or being a cop, no matter how much overtime you put in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Very very accurate statement. Okay, so so let's talk about this. Like, like how do you get your business, and how do you do fifty-two units? Like, are you doing all those yourself? You must be with that profit margin. I mean, what? How are you holding it all together? Yeah, so it, it is me. And one full-time assistant that I brought on about a year and a half ago, who is absolutely amazing and helps keep me sane. And then obviously I have a transaction coordinator who takes care of all my paperwork, but it's not something that's easy to keep all together. I think until I hired my assistant, there was a lot of nights that I was at the office until 10 or 11 PM grinding away and making sure that all of my marketing material got out and um, making sure that every escrow was being handled smoothly. I mean, the way that I generate business has changed very much so from the beginning of my career to where I'm at today. Because I think that at least what I've seen, it's very common that when you start your career, you end up working with a lot of buyers and then you transition into working listing side of things. That's kind of the way that my career progressed as well. I'm kind of at a point where I don't work every weekend, but probably two or three weekends out of the month. 
I'm still dedicated to doing open houses, but I mean, when I first started, it was every weekend without fail doing open houses and a lot of times Thursday and Friday nights as well, because you never know who's going to walk through there. So, I mean, today, my, like I said, my business strategy and where business is coming from is a little bit different than where it was coming from right at the beginning. Yeah, I'd say so. So, well, let's talk about both. So in the beginning, and I love this, by the way, open houses, Thursday nights, Friday, would you, I guess they're not even advertised, right? You just show up and you hold them open because they're on a, a path of, of uh, cars. Well, I mean, they, they're still going on the MLS. They're still being input in there as open houses. So, I mean, if people are looking at stuff on Zillow or Redfin or whatever app they're using to search homes, it's still showing as an open home. So you never know who, in my opinion, you never know who's going to be out of town on the weekend, but still wants to take a look at the house. So Thursday, Friday night before they go out of town might be the best time for them to be able to do so. I can tell you right now that there's a better chance that you're going to get a client sitting at an open house on Thursday or Friday night than you are watching the ball game on your couch on Thursday or Friday night. So that was kind of, that was kind of my approach around that. Or there was a lot of times when do open houses from like 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. on people's lunch breaks near these high-tech companies. Maybe they just wanted to shoot over and look at the stuff on their lunch break real quick. So, I mean, trying to make things as convenient as possible for the consumer, but also as beneficial as possible for you as the agent because it's a little bit outside of the box. It's not your typical Saturday and Sunday open house, so you're providing that convenience to the consumer, and there's a better possibility that you're going to generate leads and new potential clients than there is sitting in the office chatting with your coworkers or, like I said, watching the ball game on the couch at home on Thursday or Friday evening. Right, or even sitting in the office not chatting with coworkers. Like, let's see how many times, I can't tell you what I, I used to go to work and work, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours in the office, talking to people on the phone, doing computer stuff that I felt was productive. But actually, what is the difference between doing that in the office, even if you're not chatting with coworkers, compared to doing it at an open house? You might as well be doing that at open house in case somebody stops by that's a real buyer. Right, exactly. I mean, we all have our hotspots on our phone and Wi-Fi connections. And so everything that I could have been doing at the office, I was able to be doing at those open houses as well. And there might have been some days where only one or two people came through. I mean, but you have a conversation with those one or two people. Each one of those people is a potential paycheck. Yeah, absolutely. Tribeofmillionaires.com. Guys, write that down. Rockstar Nation got a free special offer for you. Now, I've just written a book, and it's just been published. Co-authored it with David Osborne, who's been on this show multiple times. If you don't know David, he is one of the top execs at Keller Williams Real Estate. Was personally mentored for the last two decades by Gary Keller himself. And he's in all kinds of businesses. His bio and explanation and, and everything is in this book. But anyways, David and I got together. We decided to write a book. We called it Tribe of Millionaires. And I guarantee you, it's going to change your life. To find out more, just go to tribeofmillionaires.com. We're going to give it to you absolutely free. Only thing we ask in return is, of course, number one, you pay the shipping. Not a big deal. But number two, that you go on Amazon and write us a review. We're really looking 
to get an incredible amount of reviews. And because of that, we're giving this book away for free. Go to tribeofmillionaires.com today. All right, what else did you do in the beginning? So, yeah, definitely open houses every weekend and throughout the week and some weeknights as well when I first started. big part of my business at the beginning was leveraging LinkedIn's truly the only, I would say, professional social media network. When I first got out of college and was working on getting my real estate license, my dad's a motivational speaker and life coach. And so he had me doing some outreach for him on LinkedIn. And I didn't really understand the approach that he was taking, just mass messaging people and (laughs) reaching out to them in regards to speaking engagements. But what I did see after doing that for him was the results that it was generating, right? So when I got into real estate, he said, okay, you're go use LinkedIn the same way that I use LinkedIn and you'll be able to generate yourself clients. So that's what I did. I spent a couple hours a day on LinkedIn, strategically adding people, building my network on there. And I mean, it was my goal then from my LinkedIn connections and whoever I became connected with on there was that my goal was to set up three coffee meetings a week, whether someone had plan to buy or sell real estate in the immediate future or not. I mean, as amazing of people as we all think that we are, if someone's going to take the time to grab a cup of coffee with you, there's a reason for it. Not just because we're spectacular, because they have questions about what's going on in the real estate market. They're curious about how the process works, X, Y, and Z. You never know what it is, but I can tell you if they're, if they're, willing to grab coffee with you for 15 minutes, their time is just as valuable as yours. So if you can leave a positive face-to-face impression with those people and leave them with five business cards, you never know what the end result is going to be or where referrals from those people are going to come from. Like, for example, I, I had someone respond to one of those messages and they had said, hey, Jordan, thanks. We just bought a condo a couple of weeks ago. We wish you had reached out to us sooner, um, but we'd still love to grab coffee with you in the near future. Okay, so my mindset goes to, damn it, should have sent a message to these people a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Missed out on that one, but they're still willing to take the time to grab coffee with me. So maybe they didn't like their agent. Maybe they have plans to buy investment properties. Who knows? Well, they didn't like their agent that they were working with. They sent me six referrals the next year. They listed their condo with me and then bought a townhouse with me and then sold that townhouse again. So, but a lot of people would have said, Oh, that person already bought their condo a couple of weeks ago. There's no point in grabbing coffee with them. So I think a lot of it is your mindset as well, but you could strategically use LinkedIn to find valuable connections in whatever area you're in. I think I've used it to, find Penn State alumni that were living in the Bay Area. I used it to connect with a bunch of people that were in the tech sector here in the Silicon Valley. And then you can nurture those connections once you're actually connected with people. So there's been hundreds of thousands of dollars of commissions that have been generated for me from LinkedIn. I don't I don't actively do outreach on there today like I did at the beginning, but I still have a very large presence on there today in regards to keeping my name in front of all the connections that I do have on there. 
that's phenomenal, dude. So, so I want to break this down, guys, like a third grader can understand. So people, other people should, could be doing this and should be doing this right away. So you basically graduated from Penn State University, which is a big university, but you happen to be in the San Francisco Bay Area. So you go in there, you get Penn State grads. It doesn't matter if they're 95 years old or 25 years old, right? Right. You reach out to them, you connect on LinkedIn, and you say what? Uh, so ultimately... I would make an Excel sheet of whatever search criteria I did that day, right? So say, say today's October 9th, I'm going to go into LinkedIn and I'm going to put, I'm going to go search for Penn State alumni that live in the Bay Area that work at Google. Okay, I'm going to go send an invitation to connect with all of those people. Two weeks later, I would go back based off my Excel sheet and do the same search, see everyone that had accepted my invitations to connect. So then reach out to those people if we're talking about that specific sector, just saying, hey, it's a pleasure to be connected with you here on LinkedIn. I noticed that you made your way all the way from the East Coast at Penn State to the West Coast here in the Silicon Valley Bay Area. Which do you prefer more or how do you end up on this side of the country? Just so that there was a conversation piece there mm. to start at the beginning so that's not Okay, we're not or like an open-ended question, yeah, or or right. just and a question like that, like what do you what do you like? Do you miss it? Yeah, yeah, and not not going into a sales pitch right away, right? There's some personal aspect to that, and it makes yeah. them feel. Do you ever like, go back for homecoming? You know, what do you you stay in touch with whatever you ask them a question, right? Whatever you want to put in there. Then I would go into the fact that my name is Jordan Mott. I'm working as a realtor here in the Silicon Valley Bay Area. I want to be at I want to be a real estate resource for you. I would love to grab a cup of coffee with you and take 15 minutes of your time. If you have any questions regarding buying or selling real estate, whether it be now or any time in the future. And usually that would get at least some type of response rate. I mean, I would say, I would say if you had the university affiliation there, you'd probably receive 25 responses out of a hundred messages sent. Not necessarily that everyone was going to go grab coffee with you, but but I also did it without a university affiliation, right? Because not everybody, not everybody goes to a college that has a great alumni network. Yeah. So what else did you do? Yeah. So I, if I wasn't taking the university approach, I was going in there and I was, I was searching for say people that worked at Google that used to work at Apple. I know something about this sector of people, right? Hmm. That there's their background. So instead of using that university affiliation at the beginning of the message, I would say, Hey, it's a pleasure being connected with you here on LinkedIn. Looks like you've had a successful career path up to this point. I noticed that you used to work at Google and now you work at Apple. Which company do you prefer working for? So again, it's about, it's about them at the beginning, right? Yeah. It's not about me. And it really comes off as being personalized, even though everyone in that group of people met that search criteria. Mm. So it, it wasn't like I was going through everyone's profile, but I knew something about all of those people right from the beginning mm. um, based off the search criteria that I was using. And then the rest of the message looked, looked very much so the same. And then you wanted to do three, how many did you want to do uh, a week? My goal was to set up three coffee appointments a week. Three coffee appointments a week. And then you yeah. sat down with them and, What'd you do there? Break I that. just I just got to know them, ask them if they have any real estate needs, if they know any coworkers or family that might know any real estate needs, if they have any questions about the Silicon Valley or Bay Area real estate market. 
then just ask some questions about their journey. I mean, it's almost like a blind date in a sense, getting to know that person as well, but also trying to convince them that you're their real estate resource. And so, and then at the end of things, I would leave them usually with five business cards and say, hey, if you ever come across anyone, here's five of my business cards. I'd greatly appreciate you distributing them to people. And you have my cell phone number and my email if you ever need anything. And, you know, you never know when those people are going to send you referrals. And I think, in my opinion, if you're able to leave a positive face-to-face interaction, um, the better off you're going to be moving forward. And then how'd you follow up? Um, I think that I don't know if there was any direct follow-up on that aspect of things the majority of the time, but I was connected with them on LinkedIn at that point. So I very regularly post on LinkedIn and all my other social media platforms, usually once or twice a day. So I was consistently keeping myself in front of those post people. Post in news about real estate. You post in what you're doing. What what exactly you're posting? Let's just a keep lot. it on LinkedIn since we're focusing on yeah, that. Yeah, a lot. A lot of it is what I'm doing and the production that I'm having in the market. Mm. I mean, if you look even just last night, like I was at the office at 9.30 p.m. Mm. ratifying ratifying a contract, right? So I, it's super simple for me to take a selfie of myself in the office and say 9.30 p.m. at the office putting together and putting another home into contract for my sellers, I can guarantee you that your realtor doesn't work as hard as I do. So why am I not your realtor? And then I have a tag, I have a tagline associated with every one of my posts. Who do you know of looking to buy or sell real estate in the Silicon Valley Bay area? I'm never too busy for your referrals, right? I think that on any social media platform, whatever it is, I think that people get hung up on the fact that they think they need to put together something super elaborate and intricate and insightful when realistically it's just a matter of keeping your name in front of people on a regular basis and showing them what you're doing and the dedication that you have toward your clients and and your business. That's crazy. And, and it's just like so many layers of social proof, right? Because you're like, it's posted at 930. You're saying I sold a house. So you're a successful agent. You know, you're asking for the business. You're ba- basically putting it in their face. You know, why am I not your agent? Because most people don't think their agent is working hard enough for them. It's just natural. It just is what it is, right? Doesn't, matter, doesn't mean they're not. It just means that that's the perception of a lot of sellers, especially if they're, you know, on the market longer than they think they should be. So it's fascinating. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. This is a quote from Mr. Bill Reek, who took my certified listing agent program. He says, looking to take your listing presentation to the next level? Listen, I've closed 100% of the appointments since I took Pat Hyben's certified listing agent. Five appointments, five new clients in 60 days. Do the math. It's worth every single dollar. Now you can get the certified listing agent course. You can get the certified buyer agent course, which tells you how to close every single buyer that calls in if you want them. You get the certified team agent course, which teaches you how to build a dynamite team like Jeff Cohn, who teaches the course. It's like a 10-hour course from Omaha, Nebraska, Berkshire Hathaway's top agent, and seven other courses. Total of 11 courses, all five-star rated, only 97 bucks a month. If you paid for them individually on the website, they would cost over $10,000, and we are running a special now. 
at futureofrealestatetraining.com where you can get them for $97 a month. That's all you can eat, $97 a month, all these courses. That's futureofrealestatetraining.com, futureofrealestatetraining.com. Check it out. Rockstar Nation, it is time to finish uh, the year strong. The year is almost over, and it's time to sprint. You know, in my real estate career, I always doubled down at the end of the year because all of the other agents were not working during November and December, so I took full advantage. This is a great time to leverage yourself and hire a virtual assistant. I'm talking about my Outdesk. If you haven't heard of my Outdesk, basically they are a virtual assistant company, a VA company that specializes in virtual assistants for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators, marketing assistants. I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents that prospect thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the U.S. use my Outdesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, I've known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week. We're going to give you a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book entitled Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. So you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything. It's called Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And you can get it real easy. All you got to do is text the word HIBAN, H-I-B-A-N, to 31996. That's H-I-B-A-N to 31996. And download your free book, Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount, which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book. Thank you, guys. And I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my Outdesk. Very good. Okay, so let's fast forward to today, right? Mm -hmm. How where's your biz coming from today? Fifty-two deals. I mean, that's that's you know you're four four plus a month, one a week. You know, obviously you have a lot less time to to prospect. So where are they coming from? So a lot of it these days is farming. I would say I think that the I think that when you're brand new, it's hard to invest a lot of money into your business. I think also I don't love spending a lot of money. So I figured out how to farm very inexpensively for the most part. So I farm, I would say these days it's about 7,000 homes a month. And those 7,000 homes get hit every two weeks with my marketing material. The majority of them are getting flyers dropped on their doorstep. Today, I'm not the one personally dropping those flyers on people's doorsteps, but I can tell you that up until 
about a year or a year and a half ago, I was the one dropping every one of those flyers. And I was usually out at 4, 4.30 a.m. dropping flyers to start my morning so that I could have 400 to 500 flyers dropped on people's doorsteps before I was in the office. Okay, so um, why flyers and not mail? I'm a firm believer that postcards, that stuff it's very easy for the consumer when they get home from work and have had a long day and they're searching through their mail to very simply throw that in the trash can. I'm not oblivious to the fact that my marketing is going in the trash can, but if it's on someone's doorstep, in my opinion, at least they have to pick it up and look at it on the way to the trash can. And so there's that 30 seconds of exposure that you might have with that type of marketing that you might not have with a postcard that just gets slipped into the trash can, right? So I make sure that my name is the biggest thing on these flyers. It's an eight and a half by 11 flyer, typical paper, same design, every flyer they get. And it's just got to be consistent every two weeks. So it's an eight and a half by 11, like a little glossy piece of paper, right? Thin piece of paper. Yeah, it's it's thick. I use sixty five pound paper just so that's high so it stands quality. up. So it's not like curled up in a ball at the at the bottom of their door. Like you, it stands on its own. It's upright, and it just and you open up the screen door and just drop it in there. Usually, I slip it right under their doormats. Under the doormat, so it's poking out. Yep. And what does it say? It says your name, really big in the top. So usually, I let me pull one up on my computer here that I have. Uh, I can share this with you as well to share it with people. Um, oh, beautiful! If you want as well. So, like one of the neighborhoods that I focus on that I farm is called Rosemary Gardens. So at the top it says your Rosemary Gardens realtor. It says Jordan Mott, top one percent agent, and then it has the home sold in that neighborhood. Just a market update. And then it goes into, I provide my sellers with pre-sale inspections, free home staging, free photography, videography, X, Y, and Z. And then my name is the biggest thing at the bottom of the flyer again, and says top 1% realtor nationwide. Yep. And so it, it's, it's consistently the same thing that gets dropped to these farms every two weeks, which it- Every two people, weeks. So it's basically yeah. a market analysis. It's like a mini market analysis, but it has your name huge in there. And a couple of bullet points. Um, tell me about the pre-inspection thing. What is that? You pay a home inspector to kind of like do a, a mini one so that they know what to fix before the regular home inspection? Well, here in the Silicon Valley Bay Area, we, we have all our inspections done before going on the market. So it, it's very common that the seller does the inspections and the buyer really? doesn't do the I inspections. I didn't know that. Yeah. So yeah, we usually have we usually have a full home inspection, a full termite inspection, and a full roof inspection done prior to going on the market, with the hope that that eliminates the need for. I think the it's buyers. smart. It, I think it's genius, and I don't I don't understand why it doesn't work that way everywhere. Think about it; it's just stupid. So many deals fall through on home inspection and repairs. You know what I mean? Like you know, yeah, I think it's a great idea, and it, and just the fact that it's customer well, well the but the buyer knows then going into making an offer what needs to be done right it's like okay we're doing this negotiation aspect where there's no inspections and then we're in contract and inspections are done and then we have to go right back to square one it just doesn't make any sense to me here here's what's wrong with the house here's any potential issues that need to be fixed make your offer accordingly so that we can move forward and go on 
It's crazy. I mean, yeah, you know, so. think about it, right? It's not logical, actually, the other way around. I mean, I my whole career was the other way around, and I probably I could probably count a hundred deals that fell through on inspections. Right. You know, I'm just yeah. So I mean, I know that that's very different in this in this. But you're lucky because like it was like some dude in 1968 said this is how we're going to do it, and then uh, at my company, and then all the other companies blossomed from that one company. Everything has. That's how America works, you know. Right. Small companies grow, bigger companies grow out of smaller ones, blah, 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 more agents. And, and then it's like, this is customary. This is, like you said, this is how we do it in Silicon Valley. Right. You're lucky. You're lucky. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So, what, um, so what's the strangest thing you've seen in a house so far, would you say? Strangest thing I've seen in a house? That's a good question. I mean, I do a lot of stuff with investors and flippers. So, I mean, some of some of the properties that we see are unbelievably – the conditions that some people live in are absolutely disgusting, for lack of better terms. Like, we went and looked at a property once that the subfloor was rotting away. There was human feces all over the house. I mean, you literally could not be in the house for more than 30 seconds and – and you immediately felt like you had to shower upon walking out. Like, and the sad thing is that I heard afterwards, after we purchased this property, that there was a family with kids living in there. Like, and so it just, I think it opens your eyes to not everyone has the most fantastic living conditions, but I mean, every day is a different day in real estate, right? I mean, deals that have been delayed closing and my buyers have already given their notice at their apartment. And so one, one client thought that it was okay to start moving into this house and kind of broke through the window and the sellers came home and found her doing her makeup and her in their bathroom. And so, I mean, you just never know what goes through people's heads or what you're going to see. Right. And she hadn't, she didn't really own the house yet. She just, no, <laughs> uh-uh. it was not hers. She was still probably two weeks away from closing. And it was crystal clear, right? I mean, like she knew that she was wrong. She just yeah, I'm like, I'm like, how did you get into the house? She's like, oh, I went through one of the side windows. And I'm like, you were lucky the owners did not call the police on you. Like, and was there furniture in there? No, I mean, it was it was pretty much vacant at that point. But I mean, still, still it wasn't her house. <laughs> and why? Just to put on your makeup? I mean, how weird. People yeah. are funny, right? They're just, I guess she was so excited about it that she couldn't wait. I, I guess you settled still, right? Yeah. We, we yeah. made everything like, work, hey. but it causes <laughs> hiccups. And then she and fixed then, I mean, the window. Yeah. And, and you, as the realtor, you're responsible for this, right? You're the one, you're the face of the transaction with that client. So it's like you get a call from the other agent. What the hell is your, what the hell is your buyer doing breaking into our house? Like, oh, I don't know. I don't have 100% control over them. I, it's not like I'm babysitting them and have a tracker on them to see what they're doing. So uh, can we circle back real quick to yeah. one portion of that farming aspect that I think yeah, let's do a it. lot of, a lot of agents could implement into their business. So my, my deal progression was eight deals my first year, 12 deals, my second 41, my third and 46, my fourth. And then we'll probably end up doing about 60 this year. And so there was a big jump there from 12 to 41, right? And something that I implemented that was huge for my business was kind of a spot farm. So around any listing that I had, 
I turned that into a miniature farm for the time being that I had that listing. So whenever I signed that listing, I dropped 400 to 500 flyers on people's doorsteps saying coming soon um, with a little bit of information about the property. And then there was a question on that flyer. Who do you know of looking to move into the neighborhood, friends, family, or colleagues? And then a little bit about my business. Right. And then whenever we went on the market, it was a just listed flyer and, and an invitation to wine or appetizers on a Thursday or Friday night for the neighborhood. And it's the same 400 to 500 homes getting hit. And then when we went pending, we dropped another flyer pending in a short amount of time. We received multiple offers on this property, X, Y, and Z. And then when we closed, we dropped a just sold flyer. So those 400 to 500 homes on every one of my listings are getting hit with my information four to five times over whatever time period that listing is right here in the Silicon Valley. It's usually a pretty short time frame with the way that things are moving. And I would say about 60 to 70% of the time when I have a listing in a neighborhood nowadays with that marketing that's implemented, it generates at least another listing. And so I think that that's, that's a great strategy for a lot of people to implement. I mean, I think that it's just hard and like, it's not necessarily hard. People have goals and want to hit a certain point, but a lot of people don't want to work as hard as they have to do to get there. I mean, to go and drop 400, 500 flyers, I mean, if you're moving, you can do it in three hours. I mean, at least here. It depends, I'm sure, where you are in the country and how close properties are located to each other. But I would do that. And then in addition to that, I'd have the title company pull 100 non-owner occupied residences around around that listing and I would mail them the same thing those four or five times. So I think that that, that's just something that I wanted to circle back on and, and touch so that hopefully some people could implement that into their business because I've seen great success with that. I think that there's always going to be someone who is a neighborhood expert, no matter where you go and list the property. But I think that the consumer is more concerned about who's doing what now and who's accomplishing something that I want accomplished associated with my property and the sale of my home. So that's just what I wanted to circle back on and touch on. That's awesome. You, you know, you're so right about that. Like, like a lot of people look at neighborhoods and go, oh man, that agent has that wrapped up. But at the end of the day, a lot of, a lot of neighbors, a lot of people, they only really care about like who sold Francis and Will's house, you know, that's three houses up, right? I mean, like you instantly become a neighborhood expert by selling a house of a neighbor's. Right, and it, exactly. And it, it, all that other marketing that someone's been doing for 20 years, it vanishes when a random shows up and sells the neighbor's house. And, and, and the key here, guys, that you need to listen to is this catapulted him from 12 to 41, right? So this is, this is the most important part of the interview, right? How did you get from 12 to 41? Mini farming. There's no reason why anybody shouldn't build. And in my book, I mentioned this in chapter five, we talk about in six steps to seven figures, we talk about build this exact same thing, build on a success up rather than the ground up. So you take that success of that listing and you build like hell on it. And you create this mini farm, just like Jordan's saying, and I guarantee it works, right? Right. And and you should be able to turn every listing into 
two, three, or four transactions, whether it be mm. whether it be another listing in that neighborhood or in that townhouse or condo complex, or doing your open houses and picking up buyers while you're there. I mean, every listing is an opportunity to essentially generate more business because you're the face of that listing, you're the face of that property, you're putting yourself in front of X number of buyers and X number of sellers multiple times. So if you hone in on those skills, I think that there's very rarely have I ever had a listing just result in that listing and nothing else in that neighborhood or nothing else buyers wise. I mean, it's like you're wasting valuable opportunity by just selling one listing in a house in a, uh, after you get it. Yeah. 1000%. And I, and I also think something that I started to implement is that we're, a lot of people are very afraid to ask for something Mm -hmm. from their Mm -hmm. clients and, what we want to ask for the most is referrals, right? So mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. what I learned from someone else is that three points in a transaction, there's a good time to ask for referrals from buyers and sellers. From sellers, when you put the house on the market, when you accept an offer, and then when you close. With buyers, when you get their offer accepted, when you sign off, and then when you give them keys. So you should be asking every one of your clients three times throughout the transaction do they know of anyone looking to buy or sell real estate? And I guarantee you that that's going to also result in additional transactions as well. I mean, I, I went through and texted all of my clients the other day, just very simply, very quick. Hey, hope you guys are doing well. Do you guys know of anyone looking to buy or sell real estate? It resulted in six leads. They're not really? necessarily, yeah. You just, you just went through your Excel sheet of every client you ever dealt with over the past five years and then boom, and you got six leads. And it was just as simple as that was, hope you're doing well. Do you know of anyone looking to buy or sell real estate? Oh, yeah, we talked to the neighbor the other day. They're they're thinking about potentially selling in six months from now. I mean, but the thing is that if you're not actively keeping yourself in front of your past clients or reminding them that you're there for them as a real estate resource, it doesn't register to the top of their mind to think about passing along your comfort, your your information most of the time. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to keep yourself in front of them, which I think we do a good, that I do a good job of. I mean, I send quarterly CMAs to everyone. Wait a minute, slow down. You send quarterly CMAs based on their particular house. Yeah. So, everyone who's purchased a house from me and everyone who's purchased one of my listings gets a CMA from me that's specific to their home quarterly. So, one, obviously, the buyers are my past clients. But two, I'm very confident that whoever represented the buyer on my listings is more than likely not doing a good job of staying in contact with their past clients. So these are like adopted past clients. They're not really your past clients. They're another agent's past clients, but they bought your listing. So you're going to send them a CMA. Exactly. And so they know that I've already sold that house and I'm familiar with that house. Yeah, your name's on the brochure that they have. Right. And so there's a very high likelihood that if I'm staying in front of them quarterly as well, when they 
hit a point when they're ready to sell, whether it be upgrading or downsizing or moving for work, whatever it is, that I've done a good job of keeping my name in front of them. And they know that I've sold that once and they know that I've consistently provided them with value on a quarterly basis. And so there's that phone rings. Hey, we bought this house. You were the listing agent four years ago. Can you come and meet with us in regards to putting it back on the market? And do you, do you have a software that helps you put these CMAs together? Or are you doing them all like by hand? We use cloud CMA. Cloud when CMA. And it just, you just put in the address and it does it and you send it. Yeah, we'll put it in the address. I mean, all of my CMAs, though, I go through and specifically look at just because I don't. Uh, on this front, my assistant does them, but when I go to listing presentations, it's I, yeah. I personally put together the CMA and but these make cl- sure that everything's cloud CMA does them. And do that? Does cloud? Do you, do they email them, text? How do you get them to them? We print them out and we put them in in hmm. a nice Intero folder and send them in a big envelope. And so every quarter that that every quarter up. they get a printed yeah. out. Yeah, it's kind of like your statement from your financial broker that you get in this big ass envelope with all the you know what I mean. And you can sit down and write on it with pencil or whatever if you want. I mean, it's like yeah, it's colorful, right? And you flip yeah. through it. It's a lot more than a estimate, right? Right. And I, and I would say that's a good comparison, right? And and your financial advisor is sending you that. I mean, so why as realtors should we not be sending that? I mean, most people's houses are their biggest assets. So they want to know what's, they should want to know what's going on in the market. I mean, or what a range of the value of their home is coming from their real estate professional. So, I mean, I think it's just another good way to keep yourself in front of people and consistently remind people that you're a valuable resource there for them well it helps you you can trust the software and you can trust that you know what i mean that that you're not sending out something that's going to be wrong or drastically wrong let's say you know what i mean that's the problem that i have with some of these postcards that are like hey go to this website for your home value like i get those in the mail sometimes and i always at my own residence and i always go and look to see exactly what that's generating and it, like the other day I used it and I just bought my house recently and this software says that it's worth $600,000 more than I paid for it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then we're creating unrealistic numbers in, in people's heads. Like, and that's not <laughs> accurate. And that's right. Then you get a list and it doesn't sell. Right. And they're like, well, shit, you've been telling me for four years it's been worth this. <laughs> right. And it's a reflection of you and your business if you're not able to provide 110% accurate information. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Well, Jordan, this has been a blast, buddy. So, let's talk about your free gift. I know you got a couple of them. So, guys, and by the way, all this stuff is going to be on hybendigital.com backslash Jordan Mott, and it's M O T. That's M O T. Hybendigital.com backslash Jordan Mott. I'm going to put all, I'm going to put his Instagram. I'm going to put his, you know, LinkedIn is what you really should reach out to him on it and emulate and copy what he's doing on LinkedIn on a high level. Everything. Any You want to reach out to him and say thank you. You want to reach out to him, send him a referral. All his contact information will be there too. So t- tell me about your free gift. Yeah, so I gave you guys two, two PowerPoint presentations. One that is walks through my social media presence as far as Facebook, 
LinkedIn and Instagram is concerned. And then even one, and then another PowerPoint, which is more specific to the exact approach that I took on LinkedIn, which that's usually an hour and a half presentation in itself. So both of those are there for you guys. And if you want, Pat, if you want me to send you over some examples of those um, farming flyers that I use with my name as the biggest thing on there, I can definitely provide you with a couple examples of those as well for people. Yeah, that'd be awesome, man. man. If you um, want to provide them, we'd, we'd be happy to put them up there, guys. So you heard it, man. This is like one of the best free gifts we've ever had. Three different things. Hybendigital.com backslash Jordan Mott. Or of course, you could get it by going to the Agent Success Toolbox, which is on hybendigital.com backslash toolbox, or just text the word toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Listen, Jordan, this has been a blast. If I'm ever in a Silicon Valley area, I will definitely look you up and uh, we'll get together and break some bread. Yeah, sounds good, Pat. I appreciate you having me, and hopefully everyone that listens to this was able to get something of value out of it. And, I mean, this industry isn't rocket science, in my opinion. I mean, you really get out of it what you're you're willing to put into it. So everyone just remember that and go work your ass off. (laughs) Love it. Great advice to heed, guys. As a member of the Rockstar Nation, you may have noticed that every guest that comes on the show now is required to bring with them a free tool, an item of utility that real estate agents can use to drastically increase their sales and profits. Some of the things that have been brought have been ebooks, forms, reports, negotiating techniques, hiring guides, postcards, checklists, open house secrets newsletters that are sent out, sphere of influence forms, referral request forms, and the list goes on and on. If you would like to get this free toolbox full of items of utility, simply go to hybendigital.com backslash toolbox. That's hybendigital.com backslash toolbox or simply text toolbox to 444-999. That's toolbox to 444-999. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger, yes, the one finger that points at people, and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on a million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe. And listen, there's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. 
and we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that, too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>